For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 250 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. Aggressively toss the salad. And uh, we're going to talk about some Star Wars. I was about to say there could be only one because I watched Highlander this week, but I I meant there can be only two. There can be only one. There can be only one. Man, would you watch the first Highlander this week? Yeah, yeah, it's on, uh, it's free on uh, Prime, and so I watched Highlander. Was it the director's cut? That I don't know, I don't think so. It just said Highlander. So let me ask you. Okay. Did it have a scene where uh, Connor McLeod, I believe it's set in World War II, rescues the little orphan girl? Yes. Who then ends up being the lady that sort of runs his antique shop with him. Yes. That's the director's cut. Okay, well then it was the director's cut. Yeah, I think they've just sort of morphed that one into the version you get online. I'm not sure. Sometimes that happens with the director's cut. Um, I was wondering about Blade Runner, because I watched Blade Runner not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was the one where he had like thought dialogue. What's the word for oh, that? Oh, like narration. Narration, yes. Thank you. Uh, he was like narrating his thoughts through yeah. it. You know, like. So I think the one, like the one you want to watch is called Blade Runner, the final cut. Okay. Especially if you're watching it sort of in context of Blade, Blade Runner 2049, which did okay. you ever see, by the way? I haven't seen 2049. I really wanted to. So, you know, I tried to watch that on the way back from California. A couple of years ago when we were on the plane. Okay. You flew out before us. Um, yeah. I tried to watch, watch it on the plane. Black Panther. And I was like, oh, man, I, this is not the kind of movie to watch on a plane. Couldn't really that's focus on it. That's probably a good it. idea. Yeah. So I watched it at home a little while later, and it's pretty good. It's yeah. Pretty good. I heard that it's good. Well, Harrison Ford uh, got his a wag of the finger from the FAA this week. But, buddy... I, I don't want to be the one to say it, but I think it's time. 77. I 
think, you know, like there's always that conversation. Old men can't even drive at 77. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like there became a point when my grandmother, she can't drive anymore. Right. So now my mom is like her personal Uber driver. She takes care of my grandmother, takes her wherever she needs to go, get her hair did. Well, you know, back in the day, get her hair, hair did. Not so much getting your hair done lately and people are real upset about that some people are real upset about not getting their hair did real upset it makes me glad that i haven't cut my hair since 2015 i mean i rock the kind of hairstyle that mm, six months without a haircut really doesn't change it that much bro i'm going on six years without a haircut really not even a a dead ends trim no i think i'm gonna get jesse to do that for me sometime because it's really long at this point it needs some yeah but like you ever had have you ever gone and gotten your hair cut and you know how like sometimes you get a haircut and you can't really tell what's going on while it's going right yeah and then they turn your chair around and they're like what do you think and it's real bad <laughs> like real bad yeah that is what happened to me December 17th, 2015, the day The Force Awakens came out. Oh, my goodness. And I remember you being fresh cut that day. She whipped me around, and I see myself in the mirror, and I my first thoughts, like, I get a little... It's so bad looking. I look like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. I get a little, like, misty-eyed because I'm like, who is this... Who is this goddamn monster staring at me through this pane of glass? <laughs> and then I look over to Jesse and I go, what do you think? And Jesse has the look on her face like she just saw a dog get hit on the highway. Oh, utter wow. horror. And she goes, it's okay. It's okay. Because we're both the kind of people that's not going to be like, lady, you done fucked this hair up. You know well, what I mean? Then you're faced with the awful decision. You're like. Do I tell you I don't like it and let you put them scissors next to my head again and let you take me <laughs> further down this rabbit hole to where I got to shave my head? Or do we call it at this? Do we cut the damage right here? Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And you know me, man. Like, I'm awkward with people I don't know. Social anxiety and shit, right? And yeah. this, and so I just go, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> Looks great. If you don't like it, I can fix it. No, it's good. No, I mean, I'm super happy. Yeah. Real good. I really needed that haircut. And then I... And a $2 tip for you. No, man. I tip, like, well. It's it's, it's like I've been in a war zone. I'm just like, get me out of here. And we get into the car, and I turn to Jesse, and I go, I fucking hate this. It's terrible, isn't it? And because she's sweet, and she loves me, she's like, no, it's not that bad. You look nice. You look nice. You're just not used to it because it had been a little while since you had a haircut. That's all it is. And what else can you say to somebody like that? Right, exactly. The hair's gone. It ain't coming back. It ain't coming back, bruh. And let me tell you, there were definitely plenty of signs that she didn't think it was that great. Like, because remember, we all went to dinner before. And she's like, let me just fix your hair a little bit before we go. Let me just, she's trying to get it into some kind of, reasonable presentable fashion putting putting product in it being Mm -hmm. like oh no it's gone it's done oh i thought maybe but uh no and dude i don't like going because i don't maybe it would be better if i had someone i always went to to get my hair cut you know what i mean yeah i mean that's what you need 
But it was never. It was like I guess I'm going to a fucking supercuts or a sport clips or whatever that it is. Was your mistake? That was. I realized that. I realized that. But plenty of times I've been there and gotten a fucking decent haircut. Yeah. Okay. But I guess it's and a like, roll of the dice. Let me not totally disparage the supercuts because they can cut your hair if you go in with something real simple. If you got something simple you want, they can do it. But yeah, and I wasn't. That's all I was trying to do. Cut it short, short parted on that one side. You know what I'm saying? Cut, cut, taking my orcish self and cutting me a mop of hair that makes me look snazzy takes some professional and some profession and some experience, some talent. Right. So the, I think I would be better if I found somebody I liked, and that's just who I went to. Granted, now I like having long hair, so it's not even really that much of an issue. And that's the thing. Like now, if you go into that supercuts, all you got to say is like take two inches off and that's it oh okay but, yeah because you, you know, know boom but anyways it, that you know you and if you got them the medium longish hair going in like that's when you're in and trouble so now if you want it super shut or short or super long you're probably safe right yeah low oh yeah if i was just going in and i was like hey will you just shave my head put it on like a three or a four they got and just, you. Yep. get done done easy peasy but you know i don't like paying for it you know i've done that myself when i was in the mood Oh, Shave. dude, you, you you realize how I used to avoid going to the barber shop or going to get my hair cut was I just had you shave my head. Yeah, I every remember. Every few months. I gave you the, uh, what we called it, we called it the Jack. The, yeah, um, yeah, Jack the season Jack one. Jack season one and lost. It would, and people would be like, that's a mighty fat Jack. <laughs> no, it's not. That's <laughs> not what it might be. It's more like if Hurley got his hair cut. <clears throat> But I called it the Jack. Anyways, yeah, that, that that scarred me so much. I was like, "Well, we're never doing that again, are we? We're just letting this shit grow." It looks good long. I like it long. It does need some taming because it is a I'm little probably crazy. Uh, a couple inches for your dead ends, and then a run through with the thinning shears. You'd probably be be happy. Yeah. Anyways, we're a Star Wars podcasts and sometimes a haircut podcast. If you want to talk about something other than getting your hair cut, this is Supercuts cast. <laughs> um, sometimes you go in and you get a haircut and you're like, Oh, I like that! And sometimes you go in and get a haircut and you're like, What the fuck, Richard? So, beware of the second one. But anyways, let's do some business before we get on to the Star Wars chatter. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. <laughs> at... Facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. Um, email us any questions or voice messages you have for us. Blue Harvest Podcast at gmail.com. We have a Patreon page where if you really enjoy the show and you're like, damn, if they can provide that kind of content on haircuts, what else can they do? <laughs> God damn, do we have the place for you. Patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast, where we have a variety of uh, bonus shows for your part enjoyment, for you to partake in. We got Oh No, It's Hall Solo. We have Cooking with Will. We have Jaws with me and Jesse. We have... Year by Podcast with our buddy Steel Saunders, Masters of Harvest Kasi with Team King Tom, Podula Rasa with Emily Lind, 
and Blue Harvest Adventures with a big group of our, our friends. I'm a little scatterbrained, if you guys can't tell, so that was harder than usual. You did just fine. Um, couple pauses for effect. And that's it. That is where you can find the Blue Harvest podcast. Those places. <laughs> that's it. Just those places. Oh, I should give out a shout out once again. This is how they get you. Our buddy Josh Chapman of the Star Wars po- Spelt Out podcast, you know, um, he hit his 100th episode a week ago. And oh, he said, he said, damn, I had the guy from Savage Garden on episode 100. How do I follow this stuff up? A fucking socially awkward Mick Foley lookalike who can't go get a haircut. That's how <laughs> we follow it up with 101. It's too scarred. <laughs> too scarred by a bad haircut that he threw in the towel. He was like, Mm-mm. it's braids for the rest of my life. <laughs> no, I would never do braids. I would look like um, uh, James Franco in that movie where he had braids. I can't remember. Was that Spring Breakers? Oh, I I didn't mean like. Like those kind of braids. Oh, you mean like Willie roads. Nelson I mean braids. Like, Dwarven Viking breed. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe that's an avenue I should start. With a big ring or like a Thor's hammer at the end of it. Or like uh, some sort of beast's tooth. There you go. There you go. Now we're talking. Now we're there. Like a shark tooth or a a, saber-toothed tiger fang. I'm thinking something long. Like a fang. Yeah, like a... Yeah. I don't know where we get a saber tooth tiger, like an actual saber tooth tiger tooth, but nah. that would be the best. No, nah, man, you just go into any head shop and you start looking at the hippie jewelry and you'll find something that you could weave into a dwarven braid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Puka shell necklace. That's what I'll start wrapping my hair. <laughs> Puka shell necklaces. Oh God. Fuck this week. So, Star Wars is pretty f- fucking cool. And we got We've some... said that before. Yeah, man, we're into it around here. Uh we got some pretty cool stuff that happened this week. Uh you know, you and I had some uh flirtations with Battlefront 2 over the last couple of months. We have. Um and they put out their latest update this week. Uh also, sort of unfortunately, but at some point You know, we knew this was going to happen. They've done a really good job of supporting it since 2017, but it's the last update. They said this is it for Star Wars Battlefront 2. Okay. So from what I understand, I haven't looked into it greatly, but I think they added the um, original trilogy era to the supremacy modes. So you know how when we were playing Capital Supremacy for so long, it was just prequel. And then and they we were added, like, oh, it'd be awesome if we could play the original era. They went ahead and did that. And then, you know, they had added sequel trilogy before that even. Yeah. Well, so they added that. They added Scarif as a map, which is cool. And a couple of extra appearances. And one for Darth Maul and one from Ray, for Rey, which is pretty rad. It's her uh, costume from the end of Episode Nine with the new lightsaber, the yellow lightsaber. Yeah. That's a pretty cool appearance. Sounds cool. So that's what they added. And um, yeah, they said that's it for 
new updates. Um, and it's a bummer because there's definitely more I could have seen them doing. Like there was always the rumors that they were going to add Ahsoka and Asajj Ventress as uh, characters in like the heroes and two no brainers. Right. And that never happened. Um, so that's a bit of a bummer because that would have been cool, especially with all the hype going around Clone Wars right now. Yeah. But um, you also can't fault them. With the original reception of that game, they could have packed it in way earlier than now. I, I have. That was the, the next thing I was going to say was that with as badly as its release went and its reception at launch, they have really have stood behind that and produced some quality content that I really wish had gone, you know, could have gone further with maybe if the launch weren't so bad or they hadn't made so many poor decisions in the progression tied into the loot boxes. But I, I feel like it was an unfortunate turn there and they really still cranked out the content. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, as much as I there were things I could see them doing in the future i can't really hold it against them because they put so much work into it and it's such a good game now um but yeah i think those additions will definitely once again make me go back and check it out some more because i was having a lot of fun with that <clears throat> the problem for me lately has been the amount of games i'm juggling it's, yeah. it's weird how with just a little bit more free time my game juggling has increased exponentially because there's my Animal Crossing island, bro. I got to check up on that every day. You know, maybe Sahara's there selling me uh, floors and, and special wallpapers. You know, I got to stop yeah. by the clothing store and see if they have the rest of the samurai outfit or the Power Rangers outfit that I really want. I so, understand. And then Final Fantasy VII Remake, a game I've been waiting for for years now. And I'm trying not to blow through it super fast. So, like, when I do play, I try to, like, slow roll it and not, like, just sit and go. Because I, I know the next part is going to be years away, you know? Right. So, I'm trying to take my time with it. And now, with Steve and Nick and our buddy Jeff playing Final Fantasy XIV, I'm going to be playing some Final Fantasy XIV with those dudes. It's, I'm stuck in a loop of those three games. So, it's not an awful loop to be stuck in. No, all quality games. It's just made it hard to go back to Battlefront Two lately. Um, but I think this will get me back into it. The pandemic hasn't necessarily increased my video game time mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, I I still have to do what I have to do regardless. So right, um, I get stuck just playing the Call of Duty, mm -hmm. and uh. I should pop in the Battlefront too. Yeah, well, yeah. Always, whenever you're on, like that's pretty much what we do, honestly. Yeah, because I'm not really into the the Call of Duty, so we both like Star Wars, and it's a decent game, so that's a good one for us to play. It is. I gotta say, man, because besides love me some Starfighter Assault. Too. Yeah. Besides playing Battlefront for two with you for the last couple of months, like getting on and chatting with Steve and Nick and Jeff. Well, we play that MMO Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy fourteen. Like, yeah, it makes me it. It made me realize like <clears throat> how much I missed just gaming with folks. And now, like, 
I miss that too. Slowly but surely trying to persuade Jesse to get back into Final Fantasy fourteen because we used to play together for a while. I miss those guys specifically. Yeah, man. Um, They're a good group of dudes to game with. They are nice and laid back and just cracking jokes and having fun. You know what I mean? What uh, what kind of character did Jesse have? So when Jesse and I used to play, she was a red mage and I was okay. a monk. This time around, I am a samurai. Go figure. Samurai. Uh, Steve is a warrior. Uh, he's our tank. Uh, Nick, our buddy Nick, Spoopy Nick as we call him. Yeah, I know Spoopy Nick. Um, he is a white mage. He's our healer. A healer. Yeah, and Jeff is a bard. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Are there black mages? Are you the black mage? <laughs> no, I'm a samurai. That's right, you're a samurai. You told me that. So, like, if you typically have a, a group of four you want to tank, somebody to soak up all the damage, you have two DPSs, that's damage per seconds. I think that's what it stands for. Yes, uh, you have them doing damage to the target. And then you have the white mage that keeps everybody healed up so nobody dies. And so Jeff and I are the two DPSs, samurai and bard. Uh, but there's so many classes you can play in that game. I don't That's know what that... I would hope because I remember, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics was mm -hmm. one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. And there were so many classes you could learn in that one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's Geomancer and Summoner and Diabolist and that you could... oh, a bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah, there's like maybe four or five different tanks. So many different types of DPS characters. Uh, several healers so yeah they've they've got a lot of classes i don't know if they've got the most in MMO, any mmo but i would say they have the most of any i've ever played uh and Is it's fun available on playstation playstation and pc it's coming to xbox eventually from what i understand i was actually looking into it because i was like man will would i think you would like this one i'm sure i would i liked wow you know when yeah. i had a big group of friends playing mm -hmm. wow i dug that and then, you know, I, because of my life, I very quickly got left in the dust leveling. And then, and then it's like, oh, but you know, like, you know, all what's your friends cool. were playing together. And then you're like, all right, bye. See you guys. No, later. you know what's cool about Final Fantasy 14? And then we'll move on to talking about Star Wars again. They found an ingenious way to keep, keep that from being such a big deal. So let's oh, say, really? yeah, let's say, you know, like Steve and I are probably the highest leveled followed by Nick right now. Yeah. Let's say that <clears throat> um, you get on and you start a character. So we probably wouldn't be going to do all the same quests with you because a lot of those you have to do solo anyway. But okay. when you start getting to dungeons, which there's a ton of throughout the game, we can join your party and go into the dungeon with you and it syncs us to your level. Oh, wow. So if you're level... 12 or 14 or whatever it is when you go to your first dungeon it makes us all 14 we can't use any of our advanced classes and stuff so it makes it more fair and and fun because you remember like getting run through a dungeon by a bunch of high level characters and you just kind of follow everybody around. everybody you. kills everybody you pick up the loot yeah everybody kills everybody and you don't feel you like you're participating and it also avoids that i think it's a really sort of ingenious way to approach that and, and i think that fun. is ingenious Anyways, Star Wars. Star Wars, Star... Hey, it's 1138. That's a Star Wars thing. That's a George Lucas thing. THX. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Um, so you know how a couple of weeks ago now we talked about some casting rumors for yes. Rogue One, not Rogue One, the Cassian series. And there was uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Yes. And Kyle Soler. Those are the two we were talking about. Yes. <clears throat> well, StarWars.com came out on the 24th, which was last Friday, and confirmed four new cast members for the Cassian Andor live action series. Uh, and I'll just read their statement and we can talk about it. The actor who portrayed Mon Mothma in Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is among four new cast members just announced for the live action Cassian Andor series coming to Disney+. Star, Star Diego Luna will be joined by Genevieve O'Reilly, who will reprise her role as Mon Mothma, as well as newly announced co-stars Stellan Skarsgård, Denise Goh, and Kyle Soler. So it confirmed those two people we talked about and added a couple, including uh, the lady who played Mon Mothma in Rogue One. I saw that article and I was like, well, Hawes got his Mon Mothma wish, wish granted. Yeah, that's cool. And um, I think it's real cool for her because, you know, originally she was in Revenge of the Sith as Mon Mothma, but the scene got cut. I did not know that. Yeah. And then when the time came and they wanted Mon Mothma in Rogue One, they just went to her. <clears throat> now she's getting to play the role even further in the Cassian series. I think that's a really neat story. Like that's. It's an opportunity to pay dividends right there. Yeah. Like you got to imagine you're in episode three and you're like, fuck yeah, man, I'm in a star Wars. And then you get the call like, woof. So your part was cut out of the movie, but you'll probably be in the DVD extras. That's got to suck. And then the last thing you got to imagine is going to happen is what? 10 years later or something. They call you up and want you to play that role again. <clears throat> that's pretty neat that is neat but anyway that wasn't all the info the release had to offer there's also some uh, other interesting things Tony Gilroy who co-wrote Rogue One will write direct and serve as showrunner for the series which takes place five years before the events of Rogue One additional writers on the series include Dan Gilroy, Bo Williman, and Stephen Schiff. A release date for the series has not yet been announced. Okay. So, okay. Tony Gilroy, they credit him as co-writing Rogue One in that statement. But that's the dude who directed all the reshoots as well. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's a dude who has a connection to this segment of Star Wars already. Uh, and the interesting thing about it is he was not originally announced either as the showrunner. The writer, one of the other writers, Stephen Schiff, that they brought up, yeah. we, we talked about him maybe a year ago having been announced as the showrunner for the show. Oh. So at some point there was a shakeup where he left and Tony Gilroy took over. But he's apparently still... His contributions as a writer are still being used and stuff. Well, that's good. Seems like Disney does that a lot. Even if you don't end up holding the reins in the end, they still take your contributions. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but and credit you, which is a good thing. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to discern from reading that article if Tony Gilroy is directing every episode or if he's just a director on the series. But they didn't announce any other directors in that. So he may be directing the whole thing. Um, Which kind of makes sense because they're taking that same approach to the Obi-Wan series with a single director, Deborah Chow. Yeah. And that makes me think that for these shows that are probably just miniseries, like I'm not expecting Cassian then to be anything than one season, same thing with Obi-Wan, they might go the single director route instead of something like The Mandalorian that's an ongoing thing. You know, we know as of now we're getting at least three seasons um, where they vary it up and have different directors and things. That's great. Yeah, so... That seems to be the approach they're taking, which could, um, I guess, could make make sense. If you're viewing these miniseries as just sort of really long Star Wars movies, uh, a singular person being in charge of the direction might be a pretty good idea. Where with an ongoing series, having multiple directors, maybe having the different styles and you know, sort of featured episodes and stuff makes more sense or works That's better. True. <clears throat> but yeah, it, you know, it's weird. I, uh, I talked about this with Josh on star Wars spelt out. It seems like we we have way more to talk about lately than I expected us to, especially with the pandemic going on, you know? Yeah, that's actually kind of true. I don't know that I thought news would be as busy as it has been with everything ground to a halt, but maybe they maybe they either had this plan no matter what or yeah, and they're it, giving us bits and pieces because everything is Well, it's locked. weird like as far as I know and I don't follow like any you know like pop culture related news like I do Star Wars stuff like to that level, but there hasn't necessarily been like a lot of Marvel news. Or, you know, information coming out that I can think of. Maybe some little things here and there. Um, And I wonder if in some weird way, Josh and I talked about this as well, Star Wars ended up not getting hit as hard by the whole pandemic as other things did just because of, like, by the way, it's sort of operating currently it's sort of on a recharging phase like episode nine's out we don't have another theatrical movie until 2022 um mandalorian was wrapped like season two was done filming when all the sort of hollywood shutdowns happened and the other two series are in pre-production which you would imagine don't get in fact affected that much by this sort of thing like you can still cast people and write and things like that just can't film anything really right so yeah i think in some weird way star wars dodged most of this bullet now depending on how things all shake out i don't know how soon that cassian series will start filming and that could ultimately affect when we see that show and i don't know that it's necessarily out of the realm of possibility that the production of Mandalorian season three 
couldn't end up getting affected depending on how this all goes. Right. Right. But for now, this seems like we're in a pretty good spot unless you're a star Wars comics fan. Damn. Did you know, like comic books just aren't shipping now. I, I had <laughs> seen that comic book store owners were talking about how hurt they were and weren't getting funding, but I didn't realize comics weren't like going to them. Yeah, dude, I feel bad for any, like, you know, local comic book businesses. They are, they definitely are getting hit hard by this, but yeah, diamond, distributor which is pretty much the only game in town for comic book distribution like yeah. if you're in a if you own a comic book store that's who you order your comics from i think like 90 percent of the time or something uh they are just not shipping new comics to stores right now i think they're they've said that they're gonna get back to it pretty soon but yeah everything was just ground to a halt as far as the comic industry goes Dang. They're not even sucks. doing the digital issues. And you would think drawing is something you can do while you're at home. But Well, yeah, I'm sure the issues are still in production, right? I'm sure that's not stopping them. But also imagine, like, you got to imagine now they have a huge month, two-month backlog of issues they haven't released. So that's going to be their priority when they get back to shipping comics. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, I'm sure all those issues are still being worked on in production production they just don't have anywhere to go to the local stores because the distributor is not releasing them oh my goodness yeah all right let's talk about some clone wars and then hear from our friends some good news let's hear some good news buddy what did you think about this episode of the clone wars it's pretty good Woo! i mean pretty sick uh, it was interesting to see Darth Maul unnerved because I kind of saw that in some of the earlier Clone Wars episodes, uh -huh. especially the ones involving Savage Press and whatever. But uh, seeing Maul lose it a little bit, especially when he was captured, was kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> man, uh, I got to say, like, they found a way to make... Like, I just kind of, I don't know, going into this, I guess I just thought it's going to be a really cool duel for uh, between Ahsoka and Maul over the fate of Mandalore. I was not expecting the whole, like, sort of mirroring of Maul knowing what's up and telling Ahsoka the truth. Basically telling Ahsoka about what's about to happen. Yeah. And, and I, Maul being pissed that he didn't see it coming earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I like I did not expect that angle and to me that is what really ratcheted up even cooler than it was all cuz it this was destined to be a pretty badass episode for me. You have Ahsoka fighting Darth Maul, you have the Mandalorians and Bo-Katan and fucking all those jokers. Um so this was right up my alley as it was, but damn. And the way it sort of interwove with elements from Revenge of the Sith, real cool. The okay, well, that part to me felt a little weird just because I was like, Oh, like I knew it was okay, so Anakin Obi Wan are about to go do Revenge of the Sith, like it's happening, the movie's happening over there. He had a call with Ahsoka in the middle of episode three, like yeah, before he goes off to find Grievous, but yeah. after and after Anakin has killed Dooku. 
<clears throat> but you know, mu- much like anything in Star Wars, like they when they don't sort of zero in on the act exact time of it, it's really easy for me to just let it go because Obi Wan's off screen so much and Revenge yeah, of the Sith. You know, I mean, I'm not having a hard time with it. It right. just felt weird. Mm-hmm. And, and I I won't say shoehorned. It just felt like. Oh, this is where we're at within the Revenge of the Sith right now. Like this, he hasn't fallen yet. I wonder if they're doing this because she'll feel him fall or something. You know, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I guess I expected the Ahsoka versus Maul stuff to maybe go over two episodes, right? I did too. I did not expect Maul to like get away or captured at the end of this episode. So that really makes me think. In the next couple of episodes, we're getting into hardcore Order sixty six stuff. You know, you have to, right? Like, yeah, I, there's nowhere else to go. We're talking hours from the big shit happening. Yeah, and dude, I gotta say, one of my favorite scenes in Clone Wars now, after seeing this episode, is right when her and Maul are facing off, and the window explodes beside them. Yeah, dude, wow, that was cool. Epic. And let me tell you, the choreography, Maul's choreography, you can tell that's Ray Park Mm -hmm. simply by the way he does that. I don't know. It's like this jump in the air, like this really wide stance, basically almost roundhouse jump. But like the way he moves is awesome. I don't know if they got a real person to do Ahsoka's stuff. They did. It looked great. That yeah. is probably one of the best fight scenes in Clone Wars I've seen. And maybe they got the real people the other last times and I just hadn't recognized it, but it can be a little wooden. Like I'm remembering some of the other Clone Wars fights, especially the lightsaber fights. Early on, especially. This was not stiff. Like it no. was super fluid and super awesome. So I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time they've actually gotten Ray Park to motion capture for Maul. I'm pretty sure. And maybe it was that I knew it was going in there that it was Ray Park, but it moved like him. Yeah. Like it, even the way, you know, the way Toad moved, like you can tell when it's Ray Park, like there's a specific way he moves. He has certain flourishes and stuff he does. Yes, in his choreography and his flips and his kicks and stuff. It's somehow, it's like how in every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, his, <clears throat> his final move, like the move that always beats the bad guy is like the spinning jump kick that he does yeah sometimes like in kickboxer he might do it seven times in a row to finish off the last bad guy tong po um but yeah he's got like his own style his own flourish that's pretty recognizable at least being a star wars fan and seeing a lot of like convention footage where he's always showing off his moves and shit you know yeah one of the jean-claude van damme movies is on prime too i don't know if it's kickboxer or lionheart but one's on one and one's on Netflix, I think, right now. Either one is a good time. Those are good ones. I, uh, Buddy, if you ever want my voodoo po- password, like maybe I shouldn't I think I saying, have it, and yeah. I just haven't I think there might be some, watch anything off there. I think there might be some Van Damme movies on there. You Hard know, Target, I think, which is one of my favorites. You know, I got to say, Liam is not too much younger than I was than when I saw Bloodsport for the first time. Oh, wow. So maybe it's time to introduce them to the Bloodsport. A little bit of the Van Dam. I'm joking. You know. He already runs around here beating my ass. I can't (laughs) show him any more martial arts. He'll come up and just punch me in the stomach. Dang, dude. 
why'd you punch me in the stomach? He's like, it was funny. I was like, it's not funny. Ow. Dude. Especially when I'm not prepared for it and I don't have my ab muscles flexed. Oh, God. <laughs> Just <laughs> suck the wind out of you. Yeah. Oh, man. You got a little demon running around. I was like, you better not ban Margera me. I will fight you back on the toilet. Oh, my God. Oh, I hope that's not your future. No, there's like, no oh, way. No. I will fight back more than Phil did. <laughs> there is no way Will Witten would raise a kid like Bam Margera. I no, have too much faith in possible. you. Yeah, but man, I re- look. I remember when I was, like I said, not much older than him. Uh, dude, obsessed after seeing Bloodsport, obsessed with karate. Like it was a one-two punch, no pun intended. Of Karate Kid and Bloodsport that did it for me. I took Taekwondo classes. I I took Taekwondo when I was not when I was that little as him. I was probably eight, nine. I was in first grade when I started Taekwondo classes. Nice. And Uh, I remember. He likes to read the Ninja Turtles Golden Book at night. And then now he wants to watch the Ninja Turtles tomorrow. Nice. There was a. uh, Somebody brought flyers for a Taekwondo class to school. And I took one home and I told my mom, like, I have to do this. I have to do, I want to learn. And I kept, you know, I was a kid, so I called it karate. Didn't realize the differentiation between karate and taekwondo, right? I got to do this. I did the taekwondo as well. I got like two belts up and was like, you know, something happened. We moved and it was hard to make the appointments. And right. my parents were like, this is expensive. You already know how to defend yourself, right? You got the basics. You know how to punch <laughs> and kick and block, right? Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And then, so I, I tell my mom this, right? And she's like, I don't think so. And then I go home and what do you do as a kid if mom says no? Well, you take it. You run it up the flagpole to dad. Run it to dad. And you know my dad. Your dad's a pretty cool guy. I would, yeah, but I would not have expected him to say yes. My dad was like, "Be a Boy Scout." You know what I mean? That type of thing. Let's watch World War II movies, and you're going to be a Boy Scout. You can you could fashion a weapon out of bamboo, <laughs> right? And I'm like, "Well, do they teach karate in Boy Scouts?" And he's like, "Definitely not." But you can make the fuck out of a campfire and use a compass. And not saying neither of those skills are, uh, you know, anything to shit on. I just, that's not where my heart was. So I take it, and I was fully expecting my dad to say no, but you got to try. And my dad, I remember him looking at my mom and going, well, you know, he's probably going to get picked on a lot. So he should probably know how to defend himself. Oh. And I was like, see, he knows. He gets it. So yeah, I did. I did Taekwondo. My teacher's name was Farley, right? <laughs> that was Farley. I still run into Farley every now and then when I'm back home. Um, and Does he walk around in like the sweatpants and the bandana? No, I don't even know if he uh, teaches anymore. Um, and I took Taekwondo for two or three years. I think I was like a green belt when I had my back surgery and then couldn't do Taekwondo anymore. Yeah. But man, I was into it. Knife hand thrusts. Right to the throat. Hurt my hand doing a fucking chop on the football pole when I was in like second or third grade. Breaking boards. Ah, breaking boards. Anyways. You're listening to the Taekwondo (laughs) and Haircuts (laughs) podcast. 
the Taekwondo and haircuts. This is uh, the Napoleon Dynamite podcast. Yeah. Well, you'll be happy to know that Jesse and I also adopted a llama this week. <laughs> Did you get spit on? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm kind of into it, so it's not that big of a deal. Ouch. Uh, you want to do some emails and some voice messages? Yeah, I do. All right. Let's, ro- let's roll into that. The only Jedi master who can crash box Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty Cockhead! So stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty Cockhead! What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead! All right, you know who who we got up, up first. It's the- who is that? The king, yeah, yeah, man, regal royal king, the man of insight and calming force in my life, like just, just a good, good dude. It's our buddy King Tom. Let's hear what he has to say. God bless King Tom. Hey there, Haas and Will. That last week's episode of Clone Wars. That very well may have been the best episode of Clone Wars I have ever seen. And I'm sure you guys have talked about it. But my favorite part uh, is the whole perspective we got. That, you know, Obi-Wan in in the very beginning of the episode said that Dooku is dead, placing this right in the middle of Revenge of the Sith, and that they're still on the search for this Sith Lord who is been the cause of all this i love that perspective that he has and maul i expected his role in this whole arc to be just that of the aggressor that of the villain i did not expect him to figure out the whole sith plan much less share it with ahsoka and i absolutely love that and this whole thing also gives a new wrinkle to the times that we would see maul in rebels and especially the the when he and Ahsoka meet up later on in Rebels. And just the way he lays out what is happening from his perspective, I love stuff like that. That's part of the Star Wars that I love. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, obviously, what happens next week, because it's I'm recording this on Thursday, and it's going to be a crazy next few days for Star Wars fans. But going back to that conversation Maul had with Ahsoka when he's laying it out, I had two questions about it. And... The answer to this first question, I think, is yes, but I wanted to see what you had said. If Maul had added one simple detail to what he told Ahsoka, if he had said, you know, the the Sith Lord is very high-placed, the Sith Lord has been grooming Anakin Skywalker, the Sith Lord is Chancellor Palpatine, 
do you think she would have had a different reaction? Because from the way I saw it, you know, he mentioned that the Sith Lord has been grooming Anakin Skywalker, and she just flew off the handle and attacked him. She listened to her emotions. But I think that if he had said who the Sith Lord was, then she could have started, you know, putting the, the puzzle together, and that she would have seen that, yes, Anakin does have a special relationship with Chancellor Palpatine. Chancellor Palpatine has been orchestrating everything. And, you know, if Sidious does have his hooks into Anakin Skywalker, then, of course, what Maul is saying makes sense. I think that things might have been different. But I want to see what, what you guys say, because I'm interested in your perspective. And my other question, you talked about this last week. I was also a huge fan of the What If comic book series. What do you think would have happened if, or what if, Ahsoka had taken Maul up on his offer? Do you think they could have stopped Sidious? I think they could have worked well to well, I don't want to say worked well together because I think there would have been some distrust there, but I definitely think they would have had an effect. I think that Ahsoka might have been able to convince Obi-Wan, maybe even Anakin, that the Chancellor's behind all this. I do think that the the war as it were would have continued. Order 66 probably still would have happened. I think that Palpatine might not have lived throughout it, but I also think that the Jedi uh, wouldn't have survived either. Not only because the clones are, you know, out there hunting them down, so to speak, but also just because of the, the schism that it would have created between Ahsoka, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and everyone else who might not have believed them all so readily. Anyway, those are my questions. I'm very much interested in your guys' take on this uh, latest episode. Thanks for listening, and thanks for the great podcast. Man. That is a Star Wars Infinities comic that I would read. What if what if Ahsoka joined Darth Maul? Man, that's that's a fascinating road to think about. Well, yeah. What if Ahsoka joined Darth Maul, Darth Maul, to bring down Palpatine? But that was it. Like, what if she allied? Like, she saw through it. She was like, "You just want to help me kill him so you can take his place." Right. Um, yeah. You kind of wonder because. I don't know. So while I think Ahsoka, so it's hard to say, like, I think by this point, probably Anakin has already fallen or is a, has, is close to falling to the dark side. So then would you have a situation where it's Ahsoka and Maul versus Palpatine and Anakin? And I definitely feel, especially once Obi-Wan sees like the, footage from the Jedi temple like yeah Ahsoka would well, be able to convince him but I, I just see some hesitation on his part on working with Maul even if it is to take down Sidious I don't know um and like if Maul had revealed that she he revealed that it was Darth Sidious he didn't reveal that it was Palpatine like right. I just feel like he didn't want to overplay his hand even, you know, that may still be something he tells her. Maybe even too late after Order 66 is enacted. Right. But, you know, I, he may know that. I'm sure he does. Yeah, and that's the thing. <clears throat> I do think if he had offered that information to her, he might have been more successful, right? Because if you think about it, she's already distrustful of the Jedi and the Republic, right? Like... 
Yeah, if she didn't believe that everything he was telling him was a lie, it might have convinced her more. Yeah, and especially when you consider just a few scenes before that, she has that talk with Obi-Wan where he's like, we're sending Anakin to observe Chancellor Palpatine. Palpatine has found a way to be in office long after his term and blah, 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 right? So I think if he had brought that up, she would think about that, and I think King Tom is right. Like, everything would fall into place for her. It would. Um. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to think about, though. If it had happened, Man. I don't think they would have stood a chance. I think one round of Palpatine lightning and yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, fun. if it's just Palpatine, like, and this is like classic sitting around arguing at a comic book store type shit, which we don't do a ton. But if you think about it, like Palpatine versus Ahsoka Maul. Obi-Wan, Anakin, I, th- I think Palpatine has a hard ch- time in that, right? You're right. I, I'm not counting Obi-Wan and Anakin. I'm assuming they're still right apart. Like, they're not <laughs> part of it. But Because he cut down, what was it, four experienced Jedi and mm-hmm. then Mace Windu. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and then, Anakin helped him with Mace Windu, but... But if Anakin joins the mix, if you're talking... Palpatine and Anakin slash Darth Vader. I don't know that it changes much. I think they might end up coming out on top. I mean, you definitely have a further wrinkle. He executes Order 66 as soon as Anakin turns, right? Basically. Yeah. And I'm saying you don't feel that fall in the force. Like you don't feel. I mean, Anakin fall to the dark side. You might. I mean, we could see that. We just don't know. At what point that has happened yet? If it has, well, they didn't show Yoda and Obi Wan feeling it. Like they were totally blindsided. They had to look at the no. tapes, right? Well, so Yoda felt Order sixty six happen, right? Remember? And, yeah, on Kashyyyk. And we, there's also the whole thing in the prequels where, like, you know, where he's like, maybe it's time for us to inform the Senate that our ability to connect with the Force or whatever is lessened. Right. Remember that? So, yeah. and it could be that Ahsoka didn't feel it because she's in the middle of a crazy duel with Darth Maul, or it hasn't happened yet. You know? Yeah. I'm interested <clears throat> to know when it happened. I mean, we'll know when Order 66 happens, and, you know, Anakin fell to the dark side two yeah. minutes before that. Yeah, we know that. Oh, that's a good point. The The clones aren't killing the Jedi yet by. Uh, by the end of the episode. So yeah, Order 66 hasn't happened. He hasn't fallen yet. That's a good point. I didn't think to sort of sync the timelines up, but it's, I think, coming any moment. That's what's, I think, well, the tension a, of the next episode a, is going to be. There was a preview of a sweet moment of the next episode between Rex and Ahsoka, and I'm assuming that's minutes before Order 66. Oh, really? Yeah. Fuck. Oh, man. Ooh, I have a feeling these next two are going to be kind of tough. I have a feeling too. There's going to be some emotional weight there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it though. They're really sending this shit out with a bang. All right, the production value in Crayabla. So good. Um, all right, next up we have a voicemail from our buddy Utah. Utah. Dougie. Dougie. And the and I'll tell you this, the subject line of this is cold cuts. I'm in. Let's see where it goes. Oswell, this is Dougie. 
Man, I'll tell you what, I've never been more worried than last week when I heard about Hawes trying to lure in tigers with cold cuts and then watching the Tiger King and seeing somebody's arm get bitten off. And Just be careful out there, buddy. Uh, we all want you to be around. Don't give up your good leg for any Star Wars scripts or anything like that. It's not worth it, man. <laughs> we need you. And uh, anyways, the uh, question this week is, in Rise of Skywalker, when Rey was blocking Palpatine's force lightning, um, do you think he was somehow unable to turn it off? Was it flowing out of him and back at him? You think he would just stop at that point? Like, if you touch a bug zapper, you pull away. And uh, so maybe I was thinking, maybe she was kind of drawing it out of him, like, like, like he drew power from Kylo and her. And uh, maybe she was... Um, directing some of her own force lightning, force energy into that. Um, I just thought that was just too, too weird that he wouldn't pull away from that to, to not die. Anyways, um, so yeah, I think maybe Ray had a little more of an offensive lightning power than it appeared. Uh, see your thoughts. Peace out. Bye. That's a good question. I wonder if uh, the novelization has any sort of insight into that, like how that exactly worked or whatever. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering because when he threw the lightning at her, and didn't she deflect it upwards? No. He, she de- okay, so what happens is he draws the life from Kylo and Rey, a dyad in the Force, right? He gets rejuvenated. He pyaws Kylo into the hole, and then he starts doing the laser light show at the ter- uh, the planetarium up in the sky, right? He yeah. starts shocking all the ships. Um, honestly, not my my favorite thing. So it's a little, I don't know, not my favorite part of the movie. Anyway, so he starts doing that, and he realizes that Ray is getting back up. Then he focuses it on her. She blocks it with the one lightsaber. She calls the other lightsaber to her. She makes the X. And then she's got, says, uh, he was like, I am all the Sith. And she's like, I am all the Jedi. And starts like reflecting it back to him. She's stepping towards him. Lightning's going back at him. And then he disintegrates, right? So I'd say Dougie's explanation pretty good like maybe she's um drawing it from him and reflecting it back you know well you see in revenge of the sith like he couldn't stop he was messing himself up and he that's true it was like a it was like once the circuit was complete he couldn't turn it off you know that's i didn't think of making that comparison but it's true um that could be it maybe like drawing the life force from Kylo and Ray is like overcharging the juice, overcharging the battery, basically. You know what I mean? So he can't stop. Oh, it's like in Grandma's Boy when he's like, I can't stop coming. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I'm talking about, though? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. What the fuck, Grandma's Richard? Boy? It's a movie I've not seen in a long time. 
Yeah, it finds its way into the movie rotation every couple of it's years. It's funny. It it's is. funnier than it should be. It is. I remember being way resistant to watching it. And Me some, too. And someone being but like, you got to watch this. And it turned out to be pretty funny. Um, yeah. That's uh, about the only two things I can think of that would really explain it. That or it's classic uh like overconfident palpatine he's like there's no way she's going to beat me until it's too late and once the disintegration process has started it's like he made the same mistake twice <laughs> there's nothing that can harm me except right. my own force lightning yeah i don't know why but in revenge of the sith i always just thought of him letting it happen so he could like to further push anakin you know what I'm saying? Like, hmm. it was all a show. And I think it's clear that it's all a show because as soon as... Um, it's like in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like how his grandfather is like, I can't get out of this bed, y'all. I am stuck in this bed. And the minute his kid is like, yo, you want to go on the tour of a chocolate factory? That motherfucker jumps out, starts dancing and stuff. Like, let's go! He says, do it. <laughs> he jumps out and he's like, unlimited power! <clears throat> man ah the mysteries of force lightning i know man i know all right so now now we got a voicemail from our buddy jim we know she can do it oh she did it and blew up the Good transport evening, gentlemen Hawes and will how are you guys doing i had a toy question uh if you guys were already rich and wanted to make investments in toys and knew, you know, how, which toys do you think would skyrocket in value in like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years so that you could just have your kids sell them and stuff like that. Uh, the ones I've been thinking are anything that's got Baby Yoda or the child as the name of the kid of the kid in The Mandalorian. Because I feel like this season we're going to know what the kid's name is and then everything else from then on will have his name. So anyway, it'll be limited uh, what actually says the child on it. I feel like all the child stuff will be worth big money. And also I feel that any teardrop-shaped Millennium Falcons from the Solo movie will also be a hot commodity because they probably didn't produce too many because the movie didn't do as great as it could. But... One day when people aren't affected by the hoopla of Disney or whatever they don't like or the other movies in theater con competing or it wasn't released at the right time, when they just power through all the movies, they will, I mean, they'll be just as attached to Solo as, you know, the other ones. Uh, they won't have any holdups that some of us old timers do. But, uh, you know, that kid will grow up to be a rich kid and a rich man and need to buy some, you know, teardrop-shaped teardrop Millennium Falcons. Anyway, what what do you guys think? What, uh, what would you buy right now if you had the cash and uh, the space to just, you know, stockpile toys? What's going up in value, guys? All right. Ignite the green. All right. Now, Jim, he hit on something I like here, buddy. Toy speculation. I'll tell you this. If there's one thing you don't want to bet on, 
is toys and comic books. Yeah, right. And speculating too hardcore on either of those is a bad idea. Like, look at all those dudes that have basements full of poly Jar Binks. Yeah, oh, Phantom Menace merch, poly bag, Death of Superman issues, you know, Iron Man issues with chromium color covers and shit. Uh, all the know. foil Marvel cards I had. Oh, X-Men cards, yeah. But if you want my honest opinion of something that at least right now seems to be fucking collecting gold, Lego. Lego is crazy. And I actually have a personal antidote, right, for our, for the price of Lego stuff, right? <clears throat> so right now on store shelves is a little $15 Lego set that's like... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Oh no. Um that's from the Mandalorian. And it's a little $15 set that comes with like four or five of the covert Mandalorians, right? Not any of the main characters, but the ones that show up to rescue him in episode 3. And it comes with like like a like a tiny little speeder bike you can make or something. Sells for 15 bucks. Our buddy Jeremy actually found one <coughs> and picked it up for me the other day because he knew I'd been looking for it. Um, so anyways, I bring that up because back during the Clone Wars, they made a similar set that was a Death Watch set. They came with four or five little Death Watch Mandalorian minifigures and a tiny little vehicle you can make. You know, one of those sets that's probably in like the $15 range. Yeah. Do you know how much that sells for now? No. $80. 80 Whoa. doll hairs for a tiny little Lego set. Probably 100 Lego in the bag. You know what I'm saying? Mo at yeah. Tops. <laughs> and that's not even talking about the big Ultimate Collector sets that they do in limited numbers. Those go up like crazy. So if you were to try to take a bet on anything, Lego. Lego all day, I would say, would be one. And then anything else, like, the problem is mass-produced items are never going to hold the same value that As people... rare ones. Right. That's why Phantom Menace stuff, even 20 years later, is not worth a whole lot of money. If you happen to have like the Royal Starship, like the big Naboo cruiser thing, that can set you back if you want that. Because <clears throat> I've looked at it before. Um, the giant Millennium Falcon that they did a few years back, that thing sells for six, seven hundred bucks and stuff now, right? So the key is getting stuff that's not mass produced. If you if you're really looking for it to hold value. So things like Comic-Con exclusives, while they may not make you or your future generations crazy rich, they will be worth more than your... They'll be sold at profit. Right. They'll be worth more than your Black Series figure that you go and pick up at Target. Um, Honestly, I think the Baby Yoda stuff on the Baby Yoda one, the, the stuff that's probably higher in value it's probably the like homemade etsy stuff you know at the moment because it is one of a kind or you know at least 
10 of a kind, you know, it's not mass produced. Yeah. Anything, and, as soon as they mass produce Baby Yoda stuff, I don't think it'll be, yeah, val- and, like you said, valuable. And see, the thing he's talking about with it having the child as the name, there, there is some uh, sound thought behind that. I don't know that, like you said, they're like, you know, Baby Yoda stuff is just sort of now hitting the store shelves. Like there's a really killer, I think, made by Mattel sort of close to life-size Baby Yoda that people are finding now that I'm dying to find. But that thing is, while it's low in numbers now, it's not like Mattel is going to stop cranking those things out, especially if they sell out. Like, So yeah, as popular and as uh, well-received as Baby Yoda was, I don't think his stuff is going to necessarily be something that jumps up crazy. Because this uh, this is also not the only time they're going to be making it, right? Right. And trust me, for the next season, there's going to be a wave of Baby Yoda merchandise. Right. And also, <clears throat> if you wanted to invest in Baby Yoda stuff, probably your best bet would be the higher-end Baby Yoda collectibles, like Hot Toys or Sideshow. Because, A, they're expensive now, and those things seemingly don't lose value. And... They're once again made in limited numbers. They don't produce, uh, you know, a three hundred dollar Baby Yoda hot toy at the same level that they are going to Black Series hot uh, Baby Yodas or uh, Mattel Baby Yodas. You know, they're mm-hmm. a niche company. <clears throat> but the real money is in Lego. I am telling you that. I completely agree with that. There's something about Lego itself. Mm-hmm that something about the company even they they hold on to this collectible rare valued kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i would say probably you know lego sets of the different millennium falcons from the different eras you know know, roundish falcon square dish falcon solo falcon Mm -hmm. each of those even in the mass-produced toys if you still got it in box I bet that thing holds more than its value. Oh, you know, absolutely. 15 well, years down the road. It's just like that Death Watch set. That was mass produced. That yeah. wasn't, you know, something they only made a limited number of. It wasn't like a convention exclusive, right? It I'm, was. Yeah, I'm just saying the Falcon specifically. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what will probably be crazy expensive in the future was that Ultimate Collector set Millennium Falcon that was like 800 bucks. The huge one, the ones that's like the size of my kitchen table and shit. Yeah. <clears throat> Once again, that's not being produced in huge numbers because who's going to spend 800 bucks. The, those things, those ultimate collector sets, I think is what they're called. You see some of the stuff that was mass produced when I was a kid, you know, those ghostbusters proton packs mm-hmm. with the little, the trap <laughs> you step on and the thing opens up like they were blue with like, you had a foam noodle in the end of it. Yep. Those things are super expensive nowadays. Yep. I would I wish I still had my Star Trek, my phaser, you know, and tricorder. I wish I still had those. Those are worth a bunch of money, you know, because they didn't while they mass produced them, they didn't make a whole lot of those, to be honest. I had playmates or I guess some didn't make a whole <coughs> Well, I think they made a it, lot of the Ghostbuster stuff. It's just it's for- a Han Solo blaster. Yeah. I had one of the orange Han Solo blasters from the Power of the Force line uh where you know it was electrical and when you pulled the trigger it made the noise 
I'm talking look just like it. Every blaster that they have released, probably since Phantom Menace, like, has been obviously not gun-looking. Does that make sense? Like, right. Like, nerf, nerf gunny, kind of over-exaggerated. And, like, you don't ever see the really cool stuff until, like, Halloween. And it's, like, props to go with a costume. but And they don't work. They don't, they're not electrical or have sound or anything. So, with the Ghostbusters stuff, you have... The thing about Ghostbusters stuff is Ghostbusters stuff was produced like crazy for a short amount of time. And then Ghostbusters faded away because there was no new movie. You know, right. after Ghostbusters 2 and the show goes off the air, there's nothing to fuel making products. So then Ghostbusters becomes sort of a specialty product thing for a little while where every now and then some company does some Ghostbusters figures or statues or whatever. But then you have people who have nostalgia for the old stuff that want to go and get that. And some of that stuff, like you said, how the, the proton pack, like the, the gun part or whatever had the noodle that came out, like mm-hmm. that thing degrades over time. So to find it one does. that has a really good condition stream noodle or whatever, that's going to be more expensive. Oh, I'll show you my stream noodle. If you show me yours. Um, yeah. So, that's another thing. If you really want to invest in toys for resale, which still I say is not the greatest idea. It's always risky. Vintage stuff is always going to hold more value. Vintage Star Wars Kenner stuff is always going to be more valuable than more modern stuff. Yeah. And like, like you said, it's true with everything. He-Man vintage, mm-hmm. My Little Pony vintage, all the vintage stuff is going to be more valuable than the modern stuff to collectors. And and part of that is because there's always going to be people who, as they get older and they make a little money, they want to get the stuff. You're you're talking to someone, right, that they didn't have when they were a kid. I didn't have a bunch of the old Star Wars toys when I was a kid, so now I think they're the neatest thing, right, the vintage ones. Yeah. But I don't think you're necessarily seeing that with – kids that grew up during the phantom menace era or maybe it's because there was way more phantom menace stuff but like phantom menace stuff isn't super expensive now right it's not the same thing the same Dude, value. It's at the flea market like there's two below flea market yeah, you'll see them all you the can time go get you know all all that old stuff it's, if somebody asks there. 10 bucks for a phantom menace figure i think they're crazy like yeah it's like, not like that so you know 20 years after Return of the Jedi, 2003, vintage Star Wars stuff was still more, it wasn't as expensive as it is now, but it was still more pricey. You know, it still held its value. It still had value increase. 20 years now after Phantom Menace, it hasn't been the same, except for some very, very few select items. Like I said, the big uh, Naboo, Royal Naboo Starship or whatever. <clears throat> I told you, Jim. You got me off on get got me off going on talking about that. Steve Cobra's favorite, favorite segment. Oh, by the way, Steve said he texted you about animes the other day. He did. We had yeah. a good little talk about it, and I have watched some of his recommendations. He said that uh, I'm waiting en- to finish all of Hunter Hunter before I talk to him about it. Yeah, he said that uh, us talking about anime a couple episodes ago. He really liked. All right, well, that's good. I can talk anime all day uh next up we have one from our buddy nick 
who did our YouTube intro. So shout out to him. Um, I think I'm getting something in the mail tomorrow that I'll be doing uh, sort of like a review and maybe an unboxing on YouTube. And uh, oh. we'll use Buddy Nick's intro for that. So he says, hey, guys. Do you think we'll see Darth Vader in the last episode of The Clone Wars? The way the timeline is moving, I think we'll see Vader hunting down the Jedi. What do you think? Yeah. I think we'll see Darth Vader. I don't know if we'll see a lot of him, but we'll see Darth Vader. You think so? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think we'll see him interacting with Ahsoka, but we'll see him. Or some hint of him. Because... You know, like we've been talking about, we're so close to Order 66. And he's going to be Darth Vader before too long now. <clears throat> I think that's just bound to happen. So. Okay. What do you think? Not so much? I mean, I just, I don't know. I think it's how much do you show him and what do you show? I mean, you could show him as through the whole, you know, that would be fine, but takes away from the rest of it yeah like i said i don't think it'll be a huge part and i don't necessarily see, think we'll see him hunting down jedi post episode three yeah. but when i say i think we'll see him i think we could see i don't know maybe some sort of epilogue or something that has vader in it like even if it's something akin to him and tarkin looking out at the death star and con under construction like we see in episode three I don't think it'll be that exactly, but something like that, you know? <clears throat> something that sort of just sets where it is in the timeline, and it's like, oh no, the Clone Wars is over. Vader is, uh, Vader's around. Anakin has become Vader, and Ahsoka's on the run and in hiding. Well. But, we'll see. All right. Next up, we have a question from our buddy Josh, who sent in that uh, Battlefield clip last week that we had oh. quite a fun time with. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm here to tell you, seems like a lot of people heard exactly what we heard, buddy, from the really? reactions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah, me too. Josh said, uh, actually, I do have a question for this week. The final Battlefront 2 Rebellion era update was just released during a pandemic. When we get in that Blue Harvest group game night, we got to do it. This is the perfect time. It would be cool. We'll figure that out. We'll figure that out, Josh, and we'll announce it on the show. Maybe we'll announce it next week. We'll, but we, we got to figure out a time that's good for me and Will to be able to play with some folks for a couple hours. But we'll get a group, big group set up on Xbox. I'm sorry, PlayStation 4 and PC folks. That's the the service we have it both for, the platform we both have it for. So it'll have to be Xbox, but we'll get it set up and we'll definitely play. I think that'd and be maybe real we'll fun. even stream it on Mixer or Twitter. Oh yeah. Put that fucking Twitch channel to use. We'll stream it for sure. That's what I meant, Twitch, not Twitch. <laughs> All right, we got one more email. And then we'll call it a night. This is also from a Josh, but a Joshua. Josh W. Halls and Will. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. I'm still very excited about Ahsoka's upcoming appearance in The Mandalorian, and it has me thinking about the connections between it and Rebels. 
Season 1 of Rebels was narrowly focused on the Ghost crew and the other original characters. It wasn't until Season 2 that characters from the Clone Wars and the original trilogy were a big part of the series, even though Ahsoka and Tarkin made brief appearances in Season 1. Could there be a similar plan for the Mando? Establish their characters on their own terms for the first season, then bring in other canonical characters for the second season. You've already discussed the possibility of seeing various other Rebels characters. As you've discussed, the difficulty in bringing most of these characters into live action is what to do with their already established voices. For example, Tia Sakaar is a wonderful actress, but she doesn't really look like Sabine. So bringing Sabine into live action would mean either changing her voice or doing an awkward voiceover thing like has been done with Ray Park and Sam Witwer. That may be hard to maintain over the course of an entire episode or series. Ezra could be an exception to this problem. Taylor Gray bears enough of a resemblance to Ezra that I think he could easily be brought into the Mando to reprise his role. What do you guys think? Does Taylor's resemblance to Ezra make it more likely that we could see him in live action? Anyway, you guys are doing a great job. I love the podcast. Listening to it is one of the highlights of my week. Stay safe and healthy, and may the force be with you, Josh W. Thanks, buddy. I think it all depends on how good of an actual actor he is. Because, to me, it's not that hard to change someone's voice, especially someone that is growing. Right. Ezra was still kind of not already grown when we saw him. Yeah, I mean, so, to me... You know, it almost seems like, well, I guess we don't have any, you know, sort of indication that this is always going to be the case going forward. But we're getting, supposedly, Ahsoka played by Rosario Dawson in season two. Right. So what they're doing is they're taking the approach of Ahsoka is played by Ashley Eckstein or Eckstein in The Clone Wars and in live action she's going to be this person that kind of leads me to believe that maybe that's the approach they're going to take for introducing um, <clears throat> animated only characters into live action. Um, I think it makes the most sense to be honest. Yeah. I mean, and it's frankly, it's the other, it's the same way when it's live action characters and animation for the most part, right? Like Timur Morrison doesn't do the clones voices. D Bradley Baker does. Right. Now, on the other hand, Daniel Logan plays live action young Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones and he plays him in the Clone Wars. So it's not a one to one comparison. <clears throat> uh, you know, uh James Arnold Taylor's Obi Wan, uh, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. So I don't really know. I don't really know what approach they would would take. Um, it was cool when Tim Curry did the voiceover for Palpatine in that the the season before this last one. Yeah. It sucks that the guy that originally did Palpatine passed away. I mean, that's just, you know, that's definitely unfortunate, but it was kind of neat to see Tim Curry doing Palpatine. It was. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their approach would be. I'm sure Taylor Gray would love to be live action Ezra if they ever get to that point. I just, you know, I think for the most part, we're going to see fewer 
characters go from live action to or animation to live action. It's going to be only certain exceptions where that happens. For instance, Ahsoka. You know, right? That is was always Thrawn. Maybe Thrawn. You know, who existed before the animated Star Wars existed? Right, and you know, there's plenty of characters in Rebels or Clone Wars to me that do make sense to show up in the Mandalorian. And those would be, you know, characters more readily associated with Mandalore and stuff. Bo-Katan, Sabine, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> I just don't know. Now, you know, one way you get around it with a Mandalorian character, right, is you just don't have them take their helmet off. You don't have them take their helmet off, then you can have the voice actress do the voice of Bo-Katan. Although she, I think she could work well as well in yeah. the live action version. But you know, that's an easy way around it for continuity. You can't really do that with Ahsoka. She doesn't wear a helmet. I was thinking about how you could keep D. Bradley Baker as the clones. And I was like, you could do like a whole 501st miniseries of Darth Vader and the 501st after Order 66. It would be super dark. Yeah, it would. But you could do it. Now, while that is a, a series I would like to see... If we're going live action, I want Tamora Tamora Morrison as the voice of the clones. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's what I would want for live action. Nothing against D. Bradley Baker. I enjoy his work as a billion characters in Clone Wars and Rebels. (laughs) Every. (coughs) I'm D. Bradley Baker, and I'm talking to myself all episode. (laughs) This is the one-man show, the Clone (laughs) War. Um. Baker's dozen, because that's how many characters I voice in this episode. <laughs> All right, that does it for this week. Uh, thanks for recording with me, buddy. Thank you for recording with me, man. Whew. A blast like it always is. Hey, 250 episodes. Look at us. 250. 250 episodes of Blue Harvest. Next week... We will have officially been doing this for five years. Fucking flew by. Yeah, right? Whew. Man, hard to believe. Can't say I wouldn't have seen it being where it is in five years. Thanks for listening, guys. It means a bunch Absolutely. to me and Will. Uh, we really enjoy doing this and hearing from you guys. Uh, and it's you guys are the reason we're still doing it 249 episodes later. So we appreciate that. Um, listen to Stone Cobra. They do our theme song. I don't, for, I don't ever foresee that changing. So check them out. They're on iTunes. Spotify and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com and leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you have oh speaking of which we got a new one so we're now we're only 12 away from 200 let me read this out it's a it's a really nice one too um let me pull it up blue harvest that's us and this comes from blue robin one one two two the uh, subject of the review is thank God for Halls and Will. I've been listening to podcasts for years and never thought to find a Star Wars podcast until after Rise of Skywalker. 
I stumbled across Blue Harvest, and I'm so glad I did. With all this stay-at-home nonsense happening, I listened from the beginning. What a delightful ride. Halls and Will explain so much history from books and video games that I never experienced, so I not only enjoyed their banter and tangents, I got filled in on info that I never had. Let's be honest, there are just too many books and games to try to catch up now. Thanks so much, guys. Well, thank you. It's a really nice Absolutely. review. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. You're <coughs> you're the target audience. <laughs> yeah. Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, and I hope you continue to enjoy it. So anyways, uh, we'll catch you guys next week. We're going to be talking. Man, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Because between now and next Thursday when we record, oh, two episodes. Two, two episodes of Clone Wars. Two episodes of Clone Wars will be released. The first episode of Disney Gallery making of the Mandalorian. And oh, that's going to be so good. Whatever shit happens between now and then. So we'll have a lot to talk about and maybe a guest to talk to uh, a buddy of ours that's never been on the podcast before. Um, and if he can make some time for it, I think he might come on next week. He's a big old fan of the Clone Wars. That gives you any kind mm. of hint. That'd be a good time to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I have some some things I want to pick his brain about that he has way more knowledge about than me when it comes to the Clone Wars. So, and that's hard to do. Oh no, not with this guy. This guy is Captain Clone Wars. In fact, that's what they call him on the streets. CCW, Captain say, Clone hey, Wars. Cap. And he's like, "How's it going?" Anyways, guys, <clears throat> thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. This has been Blue Harvest. I'm Hals Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs>